Hey everybody and welcome to Girls Talk Comics. This is Erin, your master of mediocrity, here with another creator interview. In today's episode, I will be interviewing Monique Fisher and Jackie Smith, a writer and artist duo who are working on the webcomic Suze and Keem that it will be published on Macroverse which sounds like a subscription service for comics. I think in the episode we describe it as HBO Max for web comics. It's got a pretty cheap subscription price as well, so it's an easy pay-in and definitely something that I'm going to be downloading in preparation for Suze and Keem's release. I have the artist and writer introduce themselves in this episode so you can get to know them how they want to be known. But just to give a little heads up, this is a romance novelist and a children's book artist who are coming together to create something entirely different. Well, I can't say entirely. It's definitely going to be leaning into their strengths as creators and in regards to their preferences as fans. Anyways, I hope you like this interview and just keep in mind that you can find us on all your favorite podcast streaming sites, or at least a majority of them. You can find us on YouTube at Girls Talk Comics. You can find us on Facebook as Girls Talk Comics LFK. And you can find us on Twitter as Girls Talk Comic One. It'd be really great if you could leave us a review if your favorite streaming service provides that, or a subscribe. You can also check out our Fireside website if you want to give us some feedback, as we do have a contact page. And that's all available in our link tree. Glad you're joining us today. Well, welcome, you two lovely ladies. Now, thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm really thank you excited. for having us. Yeah, this is going to be really, really great. Mostly because I hadn't heard about the Susan Keem before, and I'm going to say it a little bit slower so people realize it's like three separate words instead of me just running them all together. It's Suze and Keem. Yes, it's two people. It's Suzanne and Akeem. So okay. and, uh, that's their uh, the abbreviation is Suze and Keem. But before we start talking about that, how about y'all introduce yourselves? Okay, well, my name is Winning Fisher. Um, I am a Los Angeles native, born and raised. Uh, I still currently reside here. I'm the writer of Suze and Keem, and I am a comic book and graphic novel writer and as well as a romance novelist. I first started writing when I was 10 years old and the bug just kind of didn't go away. I've written um, different variations of fiction over the years. Starting in college is when I really started to take it seriously. I majored in theater with my concentration being on directing and stage writing and after that I decided to kind of take a break from writing and focus mainly on stage directing and then once I decided I had the itch again I looked into television writing and took a few classes, which is where I actually met a good friend of mine who's now a writing partner for me. That's awesome. It's funny because I've always loved comic books. I have two older brothers and they were like totally into comics. And that's kind of like how it just kind of trickled down to me. But for some reason, it's kind of embarrassing to admit it never occurred to me like, oh, yeah, writing comics. Duh. But <laughs> I like taken the television writing classes and I really enjoyed them. After a while, I wasn't really as passionate about it as I had been. Mm. So then I took uh, the comics experience writing class with Andy Schmidt and I really enjoyed it. So then I just kept going. I think sometime last year is when I started writing Susan Keem and it was before the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic hit and then George Floyd's murder happened and the Black Lives Matter protest happened. And then all these gatekeepers uh, were contacting like artists through Twitter saying, hey, if you're a writer, hey, if you're an artist, hey, if you're this, hey, if you're that, send us your stuff. So I sent my stuff to a very wonderful woman who I'm still in contact with um, to this day, which is what I'm grateful for, because a lot of Black artists have been on Twitter lamenting about how people who were, you know, so gung-ho at the beginning have since ghosted them. And mm. thankfully, none of the people who reached out to me have ghosted me. I'm really grateful for that. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Her name is Mary Kenny, and she works in comics and as well as writing for video games. 
And I sent her about 10 pages of my work and she said, this is ready to be shopped. You need to go ahead and put this out. So I thought, okay, great. How do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I went ahead and I found an artist. I just kind of like threw out the back signal, so to speak, with all these artists that were like um, announcing themselves and letting themselves mm -hmm. be on Twitter because of um, the Black Lives Matter protests. And I DM'd a few of them and one of them contacted me and she said, you know, you should really try this database. Oh, shout out to Bex. That's what I'm talking about, Bex. She's based in the UK. And she told me, you know, you should try this database to find Black artists. And I said, okay, cool, thanks. And so I found an artist. Things were going really well. I ended up meeting these lovely ladies from Hex Comics uh, through my friend Carrie, who used to work for the West Hollywood Book Fair. And she introduced me to them. I told them about Susan Team, and they were like, hey, that sounds awesome. We're going to tell the fellows at Microverse about you. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I met Evan uh, Matthews, one of the co-founders of Macroverse, and we just vibed. And he said, okay, I'm ready to send you a contract. You're going to work on Susan Keem. We're going to do this. That's amazing. Yeah, I had an artist, had a contract. We're getting ready to do this. And then my artist dropped out. <laughs> so right when we were getting ready to really get things going, I had to find a replacement. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I had to hurry up and scramble and find somebody. And then the wonderful, beautiful, lovely, talented Jackie Smith. I, I don't know how I found her. Magic, God, whatever you want to call it. I ended up finding her and I reached out to her and I told her about Susan Keem. I sent her a synopsis. I sent her the script. She was down and we have been rolling together ever since. So, yeah, we did a breakdown for about two or three months. Then we sent everything that we had to Evan. She was uh, working on episode one and episode two, and we're close. We are so close <laughs> to awesome. both those episodes. There's been a few hiccups. Um, Jackie could tell you about that. She knows more about it than I do, but we are this close. Well, Jackie, you're certainly the hero of the story in the yes. hero of the episode today. Yes. Yeah. My name is Jackie Smith. I'm a full-time freelance illustrator, and I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, I've been in LA for about almost nine years now. So my background is actually in traditional animation. That's why I went to Columbia College of Art for in Chicago. Nice. And I moved out here and I was like, oh, I'm going to you know, work for a studio and follow my dreams. And then I got a job at a small studio and I, I hated it. Oh, no. <laughs> like I realized that I was much better like working by myself and that I wanted to pursue creating my own projects. Um, so that's kind of what I, I left there and I started doing. So I've been freelancing and mostly do a lot of children's books, which is nice, but this is very much not a children's book. So I'm it's excited not. about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do children's books. I do portraits. I've released four coloring books that focus on women and girls of color. Um, and yeah, I just, I used to do a lot of conventions and art shows, but you know, COVID happened. That's not a thing anymore. So those certainly haven't come back yet. No, they haven't. So this is also my first real serious foray into like graphic novels. Um, I've dabbled a little bit before, but I grew up reading a lot of mangas instead of comic books. So I was like really excited about the opportunity to, to work on something, you know, that would challenge me and push me. So that's how uh, me and Mommy got together. That's awesome. You know, I also used to read a lot of manga and then I didn't have an older brother, but I had a dad who always had like Calvin's and Hobbes comics around and yet it never dawned on me either to like read them like any kind of the superhero stuff. My dad did at some point, but it was far just more natural for me to pick up like Akira rather than it was for me to pick up Captain America, which maybe doesn't make sense to some people, but it makes sense to me. And I, I think I was drawn to the black and white style. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been the biggest hardship for me transitioning to comic books. Because I'm like, but black and white is so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that I haven't been able to go back to color ever <laughs> since. But yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah. They're different. They're similar for sure, but they're definitely different. It's a little bit easier to read the black and white book that doesn't have all the, the like motion with the colors too. Mm -hmm. And it's just easier to flip through rather than trying to figure out every little nuance. Like, why is the apple blue? It's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just an apple and manga. It's yeah. fine. Let's talk about 
your book, though, your series. Let's talk about Macroverse a little bit, because that was the first time I had heard about it when y'all had reached out to me. Well, um, Macroverse uh, Media is basically a digital comic book company, and Mm -hmm. Evan and Adam, the co-founders, basically described it as HBO for independent comics and graphic novels. So you pay $4.99 a month, and you get pretty much like an unlimited access to graphic novels and comic books of all kinds of all genres you know westerns horror superhero even i think i think they have even kid unfriendly stuff so yeah it's legit yeah that's basically what it is and when i was talking to evan when we were first talking about working together that i really just want to give people who otherwise wouldn't get the opportunity a voice i think his exact words are we're bored with white dudes. We want to hear from other people too. <laughs> I've said the same thing and I'm a white woman. So like, same. So when I pitched him Susan Keem, he was like, that sounds amazing. That sounds really great. And he hadn't even read anything. And he was just like, okay, let's do it. And I said, okay, great. <laughs> Susan Keem is, at the heart of it, it's a love story. It does have crime. It does have violence. But it is about the love and devotion that our two protagonists have for one another. They are the epitome of the phrase ride or die. Akeem is a drug dealer and uh, Suzanne is a socialite who also happens to be a madam on the side. They meet, their chemistry is electric, it's immediate. They also team up um, business-wise, but the story doesn't really focus much on that. Now, together, they're basically like an unstoppable force, but that doesn't stop people from trying to come after them anyway. You have her soon-to-be former stepmother who has a personal grudge against her And then you have a local drug dealer by the name of Sean who's trying to weasel his way into their business. Both these people learn, not a very good idea. (laughs) It's not a very good idea to go after two people who are that much in love and that devoted to one another. It's also a love letter because, like I said, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. It's funny to call it a hometown because it's basically a bunch of small towns encompassing a big-ass city. A lot of people give LA a lot of shit for being shallow and all sorts of other things. It's like, okay, you haven't been to the real life then. Like, I grew up off Crenshaw. There's nothing shallow about growing up on Crenshaw. There's various places that are, I guess the best way to describe it, they're part of the Black experience or the Black culture in L.A. Uh, there's Lamar Park, Ladera Heights, which was often called the Black Beverly Hills. You had a lot of famous Black people, like a lot of well-to-do Black people who moved into the neighborhood because they couldn't get housing in Beverly Hills because of redlining. That's not a specific topic that gets discussed in the comic, but gentrification does. And police brutality also gets discussed. So it's something, it's one of those books that has something for everybody. Black people can read it and relate to it. People from LA can read it and relate to it. And other people, if there's something in there that you can't really relate to, then it's just something new that you can learn. Yeah. That's how I approached it when I wrote it. Yeah. Being in the Midwest, a lot of big city culture, it's not here. I mean, the biggest cities we have, or at least near me, are like Oklahoma City, Kansas City, Tulsa. Tulsa has its own history that I grew up with. We're not going to, we don't have to deep dive into that right now. (laughs) But it's still a different reality than coastal regions. I won't immediately get that, like, bigger city ideas and perspectives, but I've read enough fantasy that if I can't just kind of pick up and go along with it, then that's my problem as a reader. But you've really hooked me with the idea of drama and crime and romance, because if there's anything that I do like, it's just a little bit of kind of like people who are willing to be brutal and get their job done and also still care deeply about the people around them. I'm hooked from that perspective alone. Everything else I'll ride along with and I'll learn something. I don't know if you've heard of the television show. It's on FX called Snowfall. It follows Franklin Saint and it follows the crack epidemic in South Central LA. And he is basically a drug lord. There was a particular episode, I think from season two, where himself and a social worker for his father he helped the social worker track him down so after they get everything squared away with his father he and the social worker are walking he's walking her to her car and they're talking and one of the things that i'm a big sucker for is dialogue that doesn't sound like dialogue and the uh, if you ever watch the show that just that particular scene is a master class in writing because it's the two of them are just talking and you wouldn't even think that somebody had written it it just feels totally organic so after he's walked her to her car, he asks her out and she tells him, you know, I get why you hustle and I see what you want, but I've been down that road before and I'm not trying to go down there again. 
Now, um, the way that it's played, like my interpretation as a viewer was, if she were a criminal, she would have said yes. Or if Franklin were like, had a, just like a straight job, she would have said yes, because you could tell. Because there was some chemistry between the two of them. And that got me to thinking, what if Franklin found somebody who was kind of his match, criminal-wise, you know, just as smart, just as cunning, just as ruthless, just as, you know, what have you. That would be make for an interesting story. Because the love interest that they had for him Obviously, no offense to the actress. The actress does a phenomenal job, but it kind of felt like vanilla. The idea just kept uh, coming back to me. What if you found somebody for Franklin Saint who, like, what if you met his match? I thought, okay, well, I don't work for Snowfall, but I do write, so I can make this into my own story. (laughs) So I kind of. Why not? So, yeah, that's kind of where the idea first came from. I get ideas from like the strangest things, either from watching TV, just from random stuff that pops in my head, or sometimes from dreams. So, I wrote a D&D campaign from a nightmare that I had. So, oh, wow. like, I can't blame you for that. So, like, nice. you take it yeah. where you can, right? Like, yeah, so I got the yeah. idea for a whole last graphic novel from a two minute scene from a TV show. <laughs> That's also, that's just phenomenal too. I mean, it speaks highly from whoever wrote that. Like I wrote the name down so I could check it out because I haven't heard about it. I haven't had cable. If you have Hulu, it's on Hulu. Okay. Okay. I could, I'll check it out on Hulu then. But I was just like, I haven't heard anything that's been out in the last decade if it wasn't on Netflix. So (laughs) (laughs) Jackie, let's talk about your involvement with this book. You came on kind of later in the party. You saved the book kind of by being the artist who can draw it (laughs) (laughs) what's that been like for you yeah so far the process has been like pretty good um it's so easy to work with Monique so I'm always (laughs) yeah (laughs) you have no idea I have some crazy clients so I was like Monique yay (laughs) but yeah it's been like a really good process and as Monique mentioned before we're having a couple delays and that's because working with Macroverse is a little bit different than working with like a traditional comic book. It's set up more like an animatic feel. So as you're scrolling through, things are a little bit more animated. So there is this like learning curve that goes with like learning, you know, how they format things and how they structure their app to make it the most engaging. So that's been, you know, interesting in like a good way though. But overall, the process has been really good. I uh, I had to upgrade my system this week, <laughs> which sucked, but I had to do it. Hopefully people are listening to this before the book drops or the episodes start to drop and uh, we'll know to check it out. Because yeah. I, yeah, uh, a lot of folks that I know listen, since our podcast is also about indie comics, I think mm-hmm. also read indie comics. So hearing about the HBO of indie comics sounds really appealing (laughs) yeah yeah especially since I came from a background in animation when I saw the app I was like okay this is this is cool like this is something that I uh, can appreciate like how they set things up so I think a lot of people find it really interesting and plus they have like such a wide variety of content aside from our project um there's basically something for everybody on there that's awesome I read a lot of things on Webtoons because it's free Mm -hmm. and its style of having everything kind of just on a scroll down already. I hate that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, bubbles get chopped off on your, if your screen's not big enough and stuff. Yeah. Have you read anything from Comixology, like on their app before? Um, I I did when they first released it though. So I'm pretty sure it's better now. They just have it where when you swipe through, it just moves you to like the next chat bubble or box so you can Mm -hmm. follow the conversation that way. So when you were saying it's more animated, like, is it mean that images are actually moving or is it just moving you to like the next part of the story? Like, so either, either way, it kind of depends on how each artist sets up the panels. So there are pages where I'll have like a character moving across the screen. Um, every time you swipe or it depends on what they're doing also so there are opportunities to have you know action sequences like more fleshed out as opposed to just being a single image yeah so there's as much opportunity as like your creativity and your imagination can kind of like stretch it but basically anything is possible which is cool because when I started I was like can I do this can I do that how about this like asking them all these questions and they're like yeah go for it like 
whatever you want to try out, we can make it happen. So. They're like, literally, your skill's the limit. Just go. Yeah. Just go. Just that's, go. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Like, that being an option, I have... I mean, we've all read a variety of comics, I would imagine, or graphic novels. And so we've seen boring to absolutely amazing combat scenes or movement scenes. And so the idea that you can, this app allows you, the artist, to actually show the movement um, in a more like structured way for me, the reader, who might not have the skills to (laughs) put it in there. Like, that's so cool. That's that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more accessible, I feel, for like newer readers, too. I think so, yeah. It's not even really even swiping the screen. You just tap it. You can literally like have two people sitting in a room and then you tap the screen all of a sudden there's the caption. Then you tap the screen again, there's the word bubble. And then you tap the screen again and then the uh, one person turns. But it's actually, it's really, really cool. cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I also like that it's a tap because uh, I don't know if, Jackie, if you read manga online, like from the Viz app. Yeah, I, I I end up backing out of that page like of whatever I'm reading all the time on accident because I just swipe too far and I'm like, God, <laughs> but if I could just... Yeah, the swiping doesn't work well on all apps. So yeah. I totally uh, prefer yeah. just to tap and just take you so to cool. the next page. Yeah, overall, like working with Macroverse has been, been really great, especially because they, like Monique was saying earlier, they really are pushing for the independent artists and writers like they've structured it so that we benefit as much as possible from putting out our work on their app and that's something that I totally appreciate from them and they're like creative freedom they they do not micromanage you Um, Evan will just kind of contact us and then say hey how how are things going and if I have a question for him I can just reach out to him and then he'll say okay let's have a meeting Mm -hmm. that's awesome he actually did an interview on a podcast I listened to it before my actual meeting with him that way I could have an idea of who it was I was meeting and he said basically Adam and I are showrunners we put out any fires that come out but everything else that happens everything that's creative that's the writer that's the artist that's on them we don't interfere and the minute he said that, I was like, oh, this sounds awesome. I hope that I get to work with this guy in Jorina. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a really great experience. I feel like that's the dream for indie writers, or not even indie writers, but for writers and artists in general, is to just be able to put out what they want and get supported for it. Is it considered creator-owned? Or... Yeah. yeah, I own the IP since I own the copyright. However, so I have my uh, contract with Macroverse and... Jackie and I have our own contract as co-collaborators. That's legit. Yeah. So it basically payment comes in the form of people buying the subscription and reading the book. Basically, that's how payment comes for the um, the writers and the artists. And Jackie and I are like 50-50. I said, you know, yes, I wrote this. Yes, I came up with the idea, but there would be no story if it weren't for her. <laughs> so not to yeah. mention... She came and saved the day at the last minute, so. There you go. I like that. I mean, you see it all the time on Twitter, people saying, pay artists, pay artists. And then I, I if I had a nickel for every single time I've seen an artist complain about how people will um, try to talk them down from their price whenever they, they'll have their commissions open to do art. And then somebody will contact them and then say, hey, I want you to draw this for me, but your price is a little steep. Do you think I could could do it for me for this much and it'll be just like an insulting sum yeah and that's yeah. Just, no no that is my but life that's <laughs> that people like diminish art like you love art and you love consuming it but you yeah. diminish the people who make it which is bullshit i'm a social worker so like I get that being in the public services field of like, y'all need mental health treatment. You use us all the time, like pay us what we're worth. But that's not the same as being an artist who your stuff is accessible everywhere. It's, yeah. You you have to freely share your product in order to mm-hmm. advertise your product. Whereas oh, yeah. I get to do a healthy, like I have a license and I'm not going to therapize you until you tell you pay me. Like, <laughs> you don't have to worry about people taking your stuff and then using it without your permission. Oh yeah. So, I mean, being a, like I've been doing this for years, so I'm I hear that argument of like, oh, it's too much money. Can you do it for this? I hear that on a weekly basis now. So I'm very used to it, but it took me like a long time to not lower myself 
because of that, because that's what I would always do. I'd be like, you know what? Fine, sure. But now to the point where like, no, 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 no. You're going to have to meet these rates because I this is my job. Like this isn't a hobby. This is what I'm doing to survive. And my what I'm being paid needs to reflect that, you know? Yeah. It's paying for a skill. But a lot of people still don't understand that. So I'm very vocal, especially because when you're in the artist arena, there's always somebody that underballs you by like a lot, like an insane amount. So you're always trying to justify like, why pay me this when you can go pay that other person $5? And yeah, explaining to people like, because you paid them $5, but you should have been paying them $500. Like, let's get real. Like, that's not good for anybody. So it also sounds like people you wouldn't want to work with. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. having worked in retail for a long time, because I was managing a comic shop before I got back into my career, I learned a lot from the owner in regards to like, what price points reflect, and like, mm-hmm. why you have certain prices. And of course, there's the, the typical stuff like overhead, just profit margin and stuff like that. But there's also just a long term cost, like, why do I want to knock down the price of things or in our store where we bought things from people as well we bought a new product why would we want to pay more for less stuff like for worse condition stuff that then we would have to work more to fix or to get up to sale quality and it's just you don't want to work with the people who are going to undermine your work and so you you have to adhere to your points so you get the people who are actually going to work well with you like yeah yeah absolutely we're going to keep that in the episode for anybody who's a starving yes. artist, just stick to your prices. Stick to I mean, that's my, this is um, something else that we're also doing. Jackie's a part of this too. We, we uh, trademarked an organization that me and my friend and um, co-writer Natasha Hall have co-founded in addition to um, other writer friend, Allison Whitmore. It's called BFCC. It stands for Black Female Comics Collab. And we're working on, aside from working on promoting Susan Keem and writing romance novels, and also working on projects with my friend Natasha, we're also building the BFCC, you know, getting members. For now, I think we have about five writers and we've added some new artists. Yeah, it started off as four or five, and now I think we're heading towards 10 or 15. Yeah, so uh, it's basically anywhere between 15 to 20 members at this point. And we're doing a comic book anthology. And the basis of it, this isn't with Macroverse, though. We're probably going to end up like doing this um, independently and having a Kickstarter for it. Yeah. But it's with the help of the ladies of Hex Comics. So it's basically going to be Hex Comics Presents and then whatever the title of our anthology is. It's still kind of in its infancy. But the basic theme for each story is powerful Black women. So you have witches, you have superheroes, <laughs> you have, which is really, uh, Evie's idea just blows my mind every time I think about it. She's a supermodel who works in Japan and she can talk to the dead. <laughs> That's so cool. That <laughs> so, is so cool. Okay. Story is its own independent thing, but the overall theme is, you know, power for Black women. And one of the things that we were talking about is we want to pay people. As of right now, we're like, we don't know how we're going to do that, but um, <laughs> definitely, we definitely want to pay people, which is why we want to do the Kickstarter, yeah. to do the campaign, and we're all planning on meeting some of the new artists to figure out who's going to be working on what story, who's going to be working on what story and what capacity. That way we can figure out who's going to get paid what accordingly. For the most part, yeah, we're trying to um, like build our own thing kind of from the ground up. Not really so much like Milestone. Uh, This is more just like an organization that supports and uplifts Black female comics creators and just keep working on stuff because we thought it's incredibly important. Um, One of the things Natasha said was, why do a Kickstarter campaign for our own individual projects when we could just do a Kickstarter campaign for all of our stuff at the same time? Just one big strong unit yeah one of the tenets uh, behind that is you know solidarity and sisterhood we want to make sure that everybody who's part of our organization is seen that they're heard and that they're properly compensated for their hard work because that's something that everyone deserves (laughs) mind-boggling how much that gets dismissed (laughs) so we just we're going to do something about that on our own we've done as much as we possibly can the stories have been written 
artists have been found. They just need to be assigned. And then we just got to go from there and hit the ground running. But so, for the most part, it is something that um, we're deeply passionate about and that we're really, really excited about. So That's amazing. And I'm already like, do you have the Kickstarter notify me when launch page? Because like, I'll click that. Well, we'll let everybody know when we launch it. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me, of years ago, there was a an anthology book that came out. I can't remember who published it, but it was just called Womanthology. And I remember being so excited uh, that it was an anthology of short comic stories that were about womanhood and femininity in some way. It's been years since I've read it. I haven't had a chance to reread it because grad school. But it's still something that I just look at on my shelf and I'm like, I'm glad I supported that and I'm glad I got to read it. This project is definitely going to be one of those as well. And more than anything, I'll probably buy an extra one so I can have it in my office for when I have young Black women clients. They can see that. And if they need to pick it up whenever I'm having a hard conversation with their parents, <laughs> they can read through that and enjoy those stories. So absolutely, being seen is incredibly important. I mean, we say this all the time, but it's almost like it's lost meaning. Representation matters. Representation matters. People like seeing themselves on screen. Like I said, I've been into comic books ever since I was a kid. The very first comic book I read was an Archie comic. And the very first superhero comic, I just can't remember this, the very first superhero comic I ever read was Sensational She-Hulk by John Byrne from 1989. I feel it's almost like a cliche to name her as a favorite character by now, but I, I've noticed that a lot of um, young Black women obviously love this character, but it was 1992 when the X-Men animated series came on on Fox. And when you first heard that iconic theme song and then you saw storm <laughs> you saw her summoning the fucking rain <laughs> and then you were like oh my god she's awesome <laughs> so yeah storm is like my favorite character she's always been my favorite character it does it matters yeah, it does matter like I'm 40 and to this day uh if i see anything relating to her like somebody does a commission where they've drawn her and then they post it on twitter i'm just like and you have no idea how much I am looking forward to the MCU introducing the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, I have tried to not think about the MCU introducing the X-Men because of all the different movies. I'm also kind of sad it won't be Halle Berry, probably. But unless, I mean, it could I, still be. I love Halle Berry, but I just don't think that part was right for her. I just don't I think don't, that was I good. don't I don't, either. I don't think that was a good vehicle for her. And first of all, uh, first off, this would just go into a whole colorism thing, but you know, Storm's darker. <laughs> so, um, That's a fair point. That's yeah, fair so, like, find uh, there are pre plenty, plenty of beautiful dark skin black so, actresses. This is let's, hard. <laughs> let's fan cast MCU Storm then. Who? Oh, um, I forgot the young woman's name, but she's on American Gods, and she has like tweeted numerous times that she wants to play Storm, and I was like, oh, she would be awesome. <laughs> she, I, I've, uh, I've heard, uh, I haven't actually gotten a chance to watch American Gods, and I really, it's so like, good. There's so many uh, shows on my to-do list. There you go. But, um, That's I've heard my reinforcement for you is that it's really, really good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard nothing but amazing things about it, and this particular um, young woman, who I feel bad because I can't remember her name, but she tweeted um, some time ago, I want to play Storm. Hey, Kevin Feige, I want to play Storm. And you know what? Hey, it might work. There was a, the Asian actor who's now going to be in the upcoming uh, Marvel kind of kung fu movie. Oh, he the Shang-Chi? Yes. Yeah. He tweeted that he wanted to be in that, and now he's in it. <laughs> so hopefully the same thing happens to her. Uh, is it Yatide Badaki? Or Badaki? Yeah, I think that's who it is. I'm, I'm looking it up because I was super yeah. curious. She's beautiful, by the way. <laughs> she is. Yes. She would make a great storm. Yeah, my sister yeah, and I used to, to fight all the time about who would get to be Storm. And because she was older than me, she would always win. So I was like, I mean, I guess I'll be Rogue. But like, <laughs> like why couldn't there be two of them? <laughs> no, Rogue's badass. Rogue's cool, too. Um, she is cool. So that is her. That is her. And I remember she like uh, tweeted. She's like, hey, I want to play Storm. And then all these people were like, yeah, cast her. <laughs> Yeah, that would be, oh my god, that'd be amazing. I like that fan cast. Jackie, do you have a fan cast? I don't. I'm really okay. bad at actors and actresses and names, so. 
Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I need like pictures. I need references. Yeah. (laughs) I don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to change the topic just a little bit because I've been thinking about this entire episode. Is that guts on your shirt, Jackie? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I've never read or watched it, but one of my good friends did, he did a complete read and watch through the last couple of years. So I, yeah, like absorbed all of the images from them but sure. so is berserk one of your favorites yeah or... it's probably my top and my top two favorite mangas of all time it's pretty violent obviously and um the story is just so heartbreaking i love it so much and i i guess all the mangas i like are dark and kind of depressing I learned recently (laughs) that's like my go-to apparently but yeah it's really good I recommend reading it even though it's kind of long what are some of the other ones that you like that are dark and depressing uh Vagabond that's probably my absolute favorite it's about feudal Japan and a samurai going on like his life journey and the art in both of those is amazing and then I really like Dorohidoro they just came out with the anime for that one that one's a little bit more like weird and dark, but that one's really good. I like Tokyo Ghoul, the manga, but just the first part, not Tokyo Ghoul Re. That got terrible. Akira's always gonna be, you know, the god yeah. of all of all mangas. <laughs> it's yes. So good. And then I recently started rereading Helsing, which is really good so far, yeah. I just read through Helsing and I do have to say it has one of the worst transliterated Irish accents in it. Oh, it's so bad. So bad. (laughs) It's so hard to read. (laughs) It's like, that's not right. (laughs) Like at all. I had to read it out loud to my partner and he was like, what are you saying? I'm like, I don't know. I'm looking at it. I don't know what he's trying to say i think that's c i think that's the word i like i do not know what is going yeah like on. i i also had to like have to like spell everything out and say it out loud because i'm like but that's like i get the accent you're going for but that ain't it like no it's like, that, it's like that phonetic game where they're like say the words on the card out loud and you have to figure out what it's saying except it's paragraphs of just yeah, this guy's like he's, dialogue. He's, just, he's very wordy too, so it's like, okay. <sighs> yeah, I'm like, I need right. a dictionary. But yeah. 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 That no, that was good. pretty bad. You know, the guy who did Doro Hidoro also, they have a new book coming out called... Uh, oh, I, I got it already. Die, Die Dark? Die Dark. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but uh, yeah, it's I, actually written by a woman. I didn't know she was a woman. Yeah. A woman, yeah. That's so cool. I read it. I really liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I already know I'm going to like it. So I'm Okay, excited. good. I just, uh, the mashup of the themes in that book, I'm just like, this is hilarious. And also super dark, but so funny. Yeah, she has like a, the way her mind works is very fascinating because it's like very dark, a little bit like comical and humorous, and yeah. then like really sweet sometimes. And you're like, yep. wow, I wasn't expecting that or to even care about these characters but you really do so monique did you know that jackie was into this kind of theme and mashup before you started working with her because you know she's like her reading history tells me she's just perfect for writing about a violent romance filled story <laughs> yeah well i don't i don't tell people any of that after um i'm not gonna spoil it but after um she read uh the story she was just like i i I even said to her i said you know i don't know if you might think it's a bit too violent or whatever you know and she was like no i love it (laughs) she was i love all of this and i was like great awesome (laughs) well because like now i know why (laughs) yeah because i work in like children's books and i work with like a lot of like seriously like religious clients like I normally don't say any of this stuff and I don't post mm. about it on my like Instagram or whatever like anybody who knows me they know this about me but like for the most part I'm like haha yeah like kids and stuff but I'm like no no like let's <laughs> no, you said I'm so used to doing like children's books and kids stuff she goes it's great to finally like get into something that you know <laughs> had a little meat on it yeah, yeah. Whatever. and then she like yeah. when I asked her about the violence like if it was too much for her or whatever and her eyes lit up and she was like no this is great I was just like okay cool awesome <laughs> you know yeah. I get that too like 
being in social services and always now I do like to think that I am a hope feel filled positive person in general in my life but when you're working like 40 hours a week where you constantly have to be I'm not going to say bubbly because that's insulting to my clients but optimistic you know you have to be it's exhausting and so I like to sit home and just be like I'm gonna open up a book about assault (laughs) like we're just gonna read some very tragic filled story that's gonna have some body horror and I'm gonna just walk away and cry about it because I can't in my office (laughs) or like I'm gonna feel all of this intensity that comes with a horror story um, yeah. and know it's fictional. <laughs> I have a theory that because women in general, um, whenever we have to go to work, whether, wherever our everyday interactions are, because we have to put on the face of being, you know, agreeable pretty much all the time. I think, you know, like there was a whole SNL sketch about like how women love watching murder shows. On. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why. I think that's like a way for us to vent because it's yeah, yeah. This is like how I how I relax, agreeable, and be you know whatever all the time. So when I get home, I'm just gonna uh, pour a glass of wine, put on some Netflix, and watch a show about people who got murdered. (laughs) I like to relax to Hannibal. So like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like I'll watch Hannibal and play Pokemon Snap at the same time. Like let's let's be real. Like it's same ends of the spectrum it's fine don't judge me but uh, i would watch hannibal and the scenes where he's cooking i'd be like that looks really good i don't know if that's a person he's really great at plating food i don't know oh, right. like, it looks beautiful like there's no way i was like i'd eat that you know yeah I wouldn't question it. He could be like, it's veal. And I'll be like, yeah, it is. I don't know. <laughs> looks great. Like, it looks pretty. I don't know how veal's yeah. supposed to look. <laughs> it's, just, it's the truth. I think it's a pretty solid theory. We're so obsessed with horror because like we have to be nice all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Life's constantly terrifying. It's cathartic to watch somebody get covered in blood and gore trying to save their lives. You're like, like yeah. We have to be affable and friendly at work. We have to be affable and friendly when we're in, in everyday interactions. And God forbid some creepy guy tries to talk to us. We have to be affable and friendly because we have absolutely no idea how he's going to respond. <laughs> yeah. So it's just nice to be able to just, you know, sit back, relax, watch people get murdered and then just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and have a laugh, you know, and a cry. <laughs> a laugh and cry. And comment on beautifully decorated cannibalist. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> I guess speaking of that, we're gonna we're gonna kind of ride this wave a little bit. Have now the only movie that I've watched kind of along this genre is Promising Young Woman. I haven't seen that, but I've heard things about it, and I'm I'm actually kind of scared. <laughs> okay, I yeah, I heard ha- of this, but I that's it's with movie. Carrie Mulligan, and apparently, like the basic plot is that she goes to bars and she um lures creepy guys by pretending to be way too drunk and then um as she lures them back to her place yeah she gets revenge on them for trying to get her or trying to take advantage of her being too intoxicated it came out just like in 2019 i had to watch it with a friend and it was still one of those things where it was like we were both sitting there like uncomfortable that we were watching it with somebody else because we were like oh this is this was college and high school for us and we're just like yeah but it was actually, um, it was a little bit cathartic, like watching true crime or something like that, because it was such a revenge fantasy. At the same time, you as the viewer are kind of like, I, I don't think I'd go that far. <laughs> like, I, so you're, you have this conflicted feeling about her as the character, how relatable the story is, but then also that you wish you could do that. Like, because of how kind of insidious and subtle everything is. Yeah, it's so. like a really good fiction. Just coming back to Susan King, really good fiction, I think, is kind of has like a wish fulfillment element to it. Like when I was writing Suzanne, I thought, okay, I'm going to write a rich, powerful, young Black woman has the wealth, power, and influence of a white man. See how that goes. Because, you know, wish fulfillment. I mean, that feels like something that you would probably never even encounter or even see. So... When I decided to um, write, I said, I'm pretty much going to write her, not as a white man, but with, you know, the same 
like privilege mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that I won't yeah. get because when it comes right down to it, money, money talks. So money, um, oftentimes to a lot of people, Trump's skin color doesn't always. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. There are a handful of famous people who are um, black who will tell you about the countless times that they've been pulled over and people will not care that they're famous. will still pull them over anyway. So I'm not saying that the minute you become rich, if you're black, you're set because that's just nonsense. But mm-hmm. um, uh, when it comes to like power and stuff, you know, a lot of times people often care about, you know, the money that the person has and the influence that the person has, you know, who they have in their back pocket um, who some of her clients are, because, you know, I, I mentioned she is also a madam in addition to being a socialite, and a lot of her um, clients are, you know, diplomats, law enforcement, mm-hmm. politicians, stuff like that. So I thought it was really, really intriguing and interesting to give this young Black woman a white man's power. That's really cool. Really, I hope people really dig that. I hope so, too. I love this stuff. I love, like, this rolling... <laughs> Uh, I was going to get poetic for a second. That's not my job. I really love the fact that there's this <laughs> growing trend of people who are stepping out and are just like, we're tired of white men. Like we're, we're doing our own stuff. And I love that it's just getting more traction. It's just mm-hmm. Certainly a lot of it was coming off of some really horrible, horrible stuff that's persisting because it feels like every five to six years, there's another similar incident and we go through the same kind of protests and the same conversations but mm-hmm. i'm not going to deep dive into politics with uh <laughs> on a comics podcast again um but it's we gotta keep riding the wave we gotta we gotta make sure this is sustainable and still going to hopefully make that five to six year range uh like either never happening or a 10 to 12 years right like if we can just get more years in between <laughs> Um, versus it just never happening again because that would be great yeah I agree with you like the sustainability is really important like we need to keep up the wave of like visibility so yeah you know now that the protests are over we need to still say like hey hey don't forget about us we still need to be seen we still yeah. need to you know be represented and stuff like I don't that. do it just because something bad happened I remember yeah, yeah. it just be yeah. a friend of mine who is a Viet Chinese um, American and she's um, a television writer and I remember I was checking in with her and I was like how are you doing um, and then I said you know it's kind of similar to what you know we were dealing with last year with our protest so how are you doing I'm just checking in with you she's like I'm doing okay um, she had she did have some few run-ins with some you know terrible people you know saying some terrible shit to her but she said that she was doing okay and I said well you know you know what's going to happen now right she goes, but she said oh much people are going to be like hey if you're Asian <laughs> send us your stuff so be on the lookout for that and she started laughing she goes yeah it, it sucks that we have to get murdered for people to notice we have talent <laughs> yeah you know, you saying that and us talking about true crime, it's it's also weird kind of being a white woman with that because it's like, I feel like we're in the news murdered all the time, but in a very sympathetic means of like, oh, let's uphold the system because white woman was killed rather than it being any kind of anything for us to talk about in regards to like, why did the system allow this to happen? <laughs> like, you know, it, white woman was murdered. Oh, the tragic. Let's uphold let's keep the rules and keep the system as it is because it happened. And I, uh, we're not going to talk about that. I'm going to go think about that a lot. <laughs> a woman, uh, when women get murdered, it's usually because of an ex, an ex that they got a restraining order against an ex that they went to the police about an ex that they continuously told people about. And, and no didn't nobody they. helped them. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So yeah, that whole promising young woman movie is starting to look better and better. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to just change. We're going to just shift to something else entirely so we can leave on a fun note. I'd like to ask people random, silly questions about things that they like. And I'm looking around my space for any cues for questions. Uh, The only thing I have in front of me right now is a zombie movie, a box of Pop-Tarts, and a candle. Don't ask why they're all in front of me. (laughs) Like... (laughs) so i guess we're gonna go with what's your favorite zombie movie if there is one preferred candle or aromatic scent and if you like pop tarts favorite pop tart flavor oh i can go first that's easy uh of the dead lavender and the strawberry frosted kind 
that's exactly what the pop tart that I have in front of me because that's <laughs> my favorite too. That's amazing. Um, um mine is um 28 days later lavender also because we basic apparently <laughs> and lavender um, smells good I, mean, <laughs> I can't remember the last time i had a pop tart like it's been at least a decade so i'm gonna also say strawberry because i don't remember what any of them taste like that's fair as long as you don't say s'more i mean sorry to s'more those were always lovers. nasty yeah uh, were. yeah <laughs> I'm sorry to people who like them, but those are gross. Those are gross. So mine's strawberry. I think my favorite zombie movie is actually Fido. Have you heard of Fido? I've never seen it. I've heard of it though. Okay. It's, I like it because it's funny. Check it out if you kind of want a a goofy or zombie movie. It's not as goofy as Shaun of the Dead. So, um, and then this candle is mahogany apple. Um, That's good. It is good. I think I got it down. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So that was the fun question to kind of end to change the mood. (laughs) (laughs) After talking about cannibalism, murder and racism. (laughs) It's a typical day on Girls Talk Comics, honestly. Yeah, we actually talk those topics a lot. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe we should rethink my interview answers, but whatever. That was the honest truth. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I like about these interviews. Like, I was actually telling somebody, we're going to drag this on just a little bit. I was telling somebody how weird it is to do interviews with people, like with creators. It's not weird in like a bad way. It's just uncomfortable because I feel like I have to drive a certain topic, right? But what I want to do with these interviews, which both of you ladies very much did was just have a conversation about whatever comes to mind. And it just yeah. feels so much more fun and natural versus me just yeah. being like, so why did you get into comics? Well, I appreciate it. It's a lot easier. I think on both of us where Good. it's not so awkward. Yeah. I was telling um, Aaron before you got on Jackie, I listened to one of her previous um, interviews just to like prep. And I was like, okay, this is a conversation. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I'm nervous. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I have no interview skills unless I'm asking you about your personal trauma and life history because of my social work background. And I don't need to know that about you having just met you. So it's like, anything well, else would thank be fine. God. Right? Like, but I am going to sit and think about a lot of things for a little bit. But so I hope people who listen do too. Think about life a little, maybe not too hard. Laugh about it too. I'm going to go read one of my depressing, violent mangas after this. (laughs) (laughs) To reset my mind. Self-care. That's all it is. (laughs) Well, again, thank you ladies for joining me today. Thank Um, you for having us. Yeah, Yeah. this is great. Bye! Bye. Each episode has to mention Jess. She's the best and she's great and she's doing all this really hard work and I love her so 